Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee, the motivating operation to start your week. Hi, I'm Christina Flores, a board-certified assistant behavior analyst. And I'm Natalie, a board-certified behavior analyst. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoy. Hello, guys. Happy Monday. Welcome to episode 11. So crazy. So this week, we wanted to talk about uncomfortable moments. So this could be either as a supervisee or a supervisor, all these times where you felt uncomfortable or you've been in an uncomfortable situation or you've avoided something because you thought it could be uncomfortable. So when we talk about this topic, we're talking in terms of we've already done proactive strategies and now we're kind of like in the reactive phase when nothing else has worked in terms of like as a supervisor with a supervisee, I guess. So we can start with that. Um, So for me, I've had some uncomfortable moments as a supervisor with supervisees in terms of like data collection, not turning in supervision logs, not following through with interventions. Yes. Having materials. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for me, um, what I try to do in those situations is kind of like not do it in front of the client. So whether it be through email or talking to them on the side and trying to figure out like why it's so difficult, right? Like, is it because of the behaviors happening too often, right? And then if that's the case, providing all of the resources that they would need. And then if that fails, right, because mm-hmm. now I've given you everything and now we're still not taking data, right? having that uncomfortable conversation. Yes. And it's definitely uncomfortable every time. I mean, I guess for me also, I've, I've experienced where maybe you're like supervising an RPT or something and, and you're telling them things and they're always like, I know, I know, or I've done that. I've tried. This doesn't work. Or you're not always, you're getting that feedback. That's not, it's very, um, I guess not passive aggressive, but it's very like standoffish. Okay. You know, like I know how to do this and I've been doing it and it hasn't been working. So I guess, Stepping back and being like, okay, well, why do you think it's not working? Can I see you do it? Can you model it with me? Um, I know I've talked to you about like when I supervise, I try to always explain the why behind everything that I do, the why behind um, procedures and interventions. So usually if I have like an RBT um, that's saying, you know, I know, I know, or I did this before or something like that, I usually explain, okay, well, you know, we're still having these behaviors. I will show them the graph. I'm going to show them the data. Um, so I'm going to say, as reported by you in the data, this is still happening. And sometimes it's on an increasing trend. So I'm going to explain to you the why I think or the why I believe we should use this intervention. And it's because of X, Y, and Z. And I would mention, you know, if we keep doing it this way, we're still going to produce the same results. So we need to have a little bit of a change in what we're doing in order to get the results that we're trying to achieve here. Because if you keep doing the same thing, it's going to keep happening. Yeah. So usually when I explain the why, you know, oh, we're using this procedure for the physical physical aggression or we're using this procedure to request get more requesting, it's better and then they understand what's going on. I like that. Yeah, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? Yeah, exactly. And in terms of like the uncomfortable moments, you know, when trying to talk to the therapist, I've asked before like, hey, okay, so why was there no data recorded? Mm-hmm. And I've gotten like, oh, there was you know, an error with the platform. Mm -hmm. Okay, you do notes every day, right? Mm -hmm. So when you did your notes and you saw that no behavior was recorded, no acquisition skills were recorded, we allowed this to happen for X amount of days Mm -hmm. before it was brought to your attention. Right. So that is the issue. And then Mm -hmm. letting them know, like, hey, if that really was the concern, 
then you need to speak to so-and-so or so-and-so because right. allowing no data to be recorded and you doing your note, which tells me you were aware that this happened mm. is not okay. Right. Um, and sometimes it's really uncomfortable to bring that up to somebody because you're kind of telling them like, hey, I need you to be doing this. You know, it's kind of your job to take this data to do these things. And sometimes they're just not used to it. You know, um, it's funny because I was supervising an RBT the other day and she goes like, this is, she's new to the field. Maybe like, I want to say two months in and she's like, this is really, really hard. You know, I, I don't have any like off time. I'm always she's like, you always have to be on in this job. I said, I, yeah, I understand. You always have to be on, you know, some jobs you get to take a little break. Maybe if you work more in an office, like you can take a little break, kind of have some downtime for your brain. But with this job, your brain is always on. You have to leave a lot of stuff at the door and you kind of just have to pick yourself up and keep going. So there could be other things going on. And I think it's good that you bring up like transparency and everything like that with um, RBTs and supervisees because, you know, maybe I'm having a lot of like negative feedback from an RBT because the last supervisor or the last session she had was just not good. And that's why I'm getting all of this. So usually if I ask them, hey, you know, I, I just want to make sure everything's okay with us. I want to be transparent. I want to have really good communication, but I sense this is happening or I feel like you're saying a couple things. I feel like it helps in the future just to get that communication. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up in terms of like other supervisors, because I know like we always talk about learned history, right? Mm -hmm. So if they had a previous supervisor who maybe wasn't supervising as often mm -hmm. or was supervising more often or was super formal or super informal, mm -hmm. then now they have this pre like expectation of what your session should look like. And that right. could be uncomfortable letting them know, Hey, this is the way I supervise or no, um, I'm not going to sit and chat with you for 30 minutes in terms of our weekend. Like I'm here to focus on the client and that right. could be super uncomfortable because that might have been the norm in other supervision sessions, but I'm different and I'm ethical and this is what we're going to do. So just kind of like laying that law, I guess could be, you know, setting boundaries. It could funny. be uncomfortable. It is so funny that you um, brought that up because as a supervisee, Back in my therapist days, I did have a supervisor that would engage in gossip a mm. lot yep. or try to engage me in gossip, which was really, really uncomfortable for me um, while I was in session because she was trying to engage in gossip that um, involved, like involved at the people in the office that the parents of the client knew as Ooh. well. So I'm sitting there as a therapist and the supervisors, which I know engaging in gossip is an ethical one. And I'm trying to do my session and I'm trying to be proactive and like redirect. I was going to say, I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> I'm trying to redirect like, yes, okay. And then move on to the next, like, what do you think I should do for this manning yeah. program? What do you think I should do for this tacting program? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know? And I guess it got to the point that I wasn't engaging in that attention seeking mm -hmm. for the gossip that my supervisor kind of got really frustrated with me and was like, oh, I feel like you're not listening or something. So that was so uncomfortable for me because I didn't want to tell my supervisor, I'm sorry, you're making me uncomfortable right now because you're trying to engage with me in gossip, which is unethical. And the parents, the doors open, the parents can possibly hear you. And we're providing services. Yeah, and we're the providing is services. Here. <laughs> and I just want to work with the client. Like, I'm just trying. I was gaining hours at that point with my BCABA, and I was trying. I was like, what do I do? Like, I thought that you're supposed to be you're supposed to be better than this. You know, I look up to you. You're my supervisor. Like, you know, but maybe, I don't know. She was probably having a bad day, but 
that's really uncomfortable, like as a supervisee, you know, um, in my experience, I wish I would have been more straightforward and just been honest with that person and say, hey, you know what, like, I'm really not down for the drama. I really just want to be ethical. I'm worried for you because, you know, the parents of the client know who you're talking about. They see him on a regular basis at the office. And I don't want anything to happen to you and I don't want anything to happen to me. So looking back, I wish I should have said something. And I hope this episode can tell other people that you have to have those uncomfortable conversations sometimes with a supervisor because if not, they're going to keep engaging in this behavior. Yeah, you're going to reinforce it and you're allowing yeah. it to occur. So, And unfortunately, she did keep going. Oh, no. But later on, I guess she realized that I was just not down for the drama and eventually she stopped. She stopped so it was okay. While we're on the conversation of supervision and clients, another thing that could be uncomfortable and... I've had to look this up because I've had misinformation given to me. Mm -hmm. And so always, again, philosophic doubt, even though someone tells you something, double check. Yeah. So at least for Medicaid, which is where I, the population in which I work, this, the client must be present in order for the supervisor to bill for services, right? So if you're checking your schedule or you're getting, or you're being told that you were supervised, and I'm doing in quotations right now, and you have two hours on your schedule, yet either A, you didn't see your supervisor, or B, they weren't there for the entire two hours, that is not okay. And it might be uncomfortable because you have someone telling you like, oh yeah, well, I was working on stuff for the client, so it's okay. No. Double check with the insurance in which you work in and have those uncomfortable moments or have it in writing because at least for Medicaid, the supervisor must be present when the client is there. So if you're uncomfortable because they're telling you X, Y, and Z or you're getting um, supervision hours but you're not actually being supervised, bring that up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it also goes to show as well with like indirect hours. So I know as a supervisee, I mean, even now when I'm going to start collecting again, um, it's okay to work on plans with your supervisor. I feel like as an RBT and you're, when you become a BCBA, you need to have practice working on plans. One, because the verbiage is different in plans. It's a certain type of verbiage. Um, you need to help with like uh, looking at graphs, looking at data, changing things, putting in interventions, running assessments, things like that. But, you know, your supervisor has to let you know, I get X amount of indirect hours for doing this plan. Um, and make sure your supervisor is not billing for the work that you did. You know, maybe you can go in and say like, oh, um, I did this. And then they're going to go in and work on it with you type of thing. Okay. So I've had, I have a B, uh, RBT who's a, pursuing her BCBA hours. And she expressed to me that she wanted to learn how to do plans, parent training, assessments, and things like that. And so I'll tell her, I'm like, initially we started off with, me showing her how the plan is written and then having her just copy and paste graphs and now she's adding the averages and things like that then what we do is i go over it i provide feedback i add the narrative i add the assessment um i go over the proactive and reactive strategies and things like that but i am transparent i'm like hey i get bill i can bill for three hours of this right mm -hmm. and she's aware because when i was a therapist and i was doing plans for my supervisors I was under the impression that they weren't getting paid for this and I was like helping them out. Right. I didn't know that they got paid for it, yeah. how many hours they got or anything like that. Right. So what I do is for those indirect hours that I'm able to bill for, I use towards Training. supervision with her. Yeah. yeah. And again, right. I'm writing the narrative and all of those things. Yeah. I but think, I, I think that's good. I think it's important though, like since you're mentioning indirect hours, that it's something that the therapist or the uh, candidate pursuing um, certification 
express something they're interested in mm-hmm. because it's completely different. Let's say this therapist who's under me didn't want to work on plans right. and I put it on her and I was like, Hey, I have these three plans due. So you're going to write them and you can, you, you can put indirect hours for it. Yeah. That's exploitation. That's exploitation. <laughs> and it could be super uncomfortable because yeah. now they're nervous. They don't want to write plans. They're in their masters. They have all this stuff going on. I'm their supervisor who just gave them all this indirect work and they feel that they have to do it. Right. So that's something completely different. Make sure you have a working document with your supervisor that you're getting hours with. Make sure that they know what you want to learn and areas where you, you know, right now don't feel comfortable or don't want to work on. Right. I think that's. I agree. I mean, because I, in my past history, I've worked on plans and have gotten no feedback on it. And I, as a BCABA, that has really hurt me now because I struggle with plans a lot. It takes me a long time to do plans. Where in the past, when I was a therapist, I could have, you know, done the plan and then asked my supervisor, looking back now, and say, hey, you never told me what I did good. You never told me if I should switch it up. You never told me if I should do this, you know, and it would have helped in my development as a supervisor. Whereas in the past, I've gone, okay, help me write this. And that's it. And then I would look back when they would submit it. I'm like, hey, I saw you change this, this, and this. So it'd be me going back. And they'd be like, yeah, I just need to change it because of X, Y, and Z. I wish now that my supervisor would have been like, hey, I noticed you wrote this this way. We should change it to this. Or I noticed you put the graph in color and I need it in black and white. Mm -hmm. Like little things from there that I would have been like, oh, okay, I'll do that now. Like, let me change it type of thing. Um, It's good that you talked about exploitation because now that I'm in grad school and my ethics class, we talked a lot about exploitation um, because we're going to be gaining hours. So my professor really wanted to hone in on us um, about you know, make sure your supervisor is not exploiting you to do different things and also not making you feel that you have to do things just because they're your supervisor. Like that's them just trying to be someone in power and that's Mm -hmm. not okay. You know, don't ever let your supervisor make you feel that you need to do something because they're your supervisor. Or they won't sign off on it. And if they're doing any of that, like, oh, well, then I'm not going to sign off on your hours. Yeah. Or they're your boss and you have to do it because they're your boss or you have to say yes or you have to give them information you know um pertaining to whatever because they're your boss it's like no you don't have to do that and that break not in terms of exploitation but i had an uncomfortable moment um when i was leaving a previous company but i had submitted for an article that got um accepted for faba and it was me and two other colleagues and we got approved and i had put my notice in i was ethical i did a transition and um someone decided from the company that they were going to remove my name from the article, the poster. I'm sorry. It was a poster submission that they were going to remove my name from the poster without telling me. Mm -hmm. And the two other um, colleagues that I worked with felt uncomfortable. And luckily one of them came to me and told me what was happening. Right. And I had to reach out to this person because I felt so violated and not okay with what was happening. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I put in the same amount of work as those two other people. And even though I put my notice, like I'm not leaving on bad terms. I was ethical in my transition. Why is this happening? They were being unethical. So they were above mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I had to be okay with being uncomfortable and have that conversation because it's not okay for people to take advantage of you at all. Right. And I think that's important because Um, you know, if you feel that your supervisor is starting to take advantage of you and the work that you're doing, because I mean, a lot of our hours are indirect and they're unpaid work and there's little signs here and there, right? We can see when people try to manipulate us. So in one uncomfortable, uh, situation that I was in, um, 
I'll just make a long story short, but pretty much um, a supervisor of mine was asking me for information from a different company mm-hmm. or a different organization that I was a part of. And I remember that person telling me, oh, you know, Christina, I don't want to get you in trouble, but can you share the documents from that organization? Mm-hmm. And that is very unethical. That's trying to exploit me. That is trying to make me feel a certain type of way because I'm under you, right? Yeah, and, and you have this like split moment of do I say yes or what if I say no? Yeah, that's trying to manipulate mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. Luckily, in that situation, um, I knew what was going on. Um, and had a feeling what was going on. And I said, no. I said, no, I don't have any documents from that organization. I cannot give them to you. Because lo and behold, you know, it's so funny. My ethics uh, professor was like, all we have in this field is our name. And if I was ever linked to a decision that somebody else made and my name was linked to it, that's what I have on me for the rest of my career. And it's hard to come back from that. So if you're feeling you know, that your supervisor is exploiting you, you need us to uh, speak up and you need to tell somebody else too. Another supervisor. Uh, and one story that I have in terms of that where I felt uncomfortable with a supervisor is as a therapist. I really liked having like the new cool like materials or always coming to session prepared that motivated me. And a supervisor once came in and was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Can I take it? I want to just try it with a client before I buy it and I'll bring it back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. This maybe happened like two times with two different items and I never got anything back. And it was super uncomfortable because I'm like, do I text her and say like, hey, yeah, because I never brought it back. Yeah. Super uncomfortable. And I never right. said anything, which now it's not about back, the money. It's about the item. Yeah. Like, and the fact of like your client liked it and stuff and you could use it for your other clients. And then now what? I have to rebuy it. Right. You know, so that was uncomfortable. Um, so I do want to talk about, um, you know, if you don't agree with a supervisor, Christina, so like. Let's say a supervisor wants to use like escape extinction at all costs. Like it doesn't matter if this kid is tantruming for two and a half hours, like nope, extinction, extinction, extinction. Let's say like they're implementing a punishment procedure without parent consent or, you know, something you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. They're possibly using like um, something that doesn't seem age appropriate, right? Like not maintaining client dignity or social validity, like all of these things. Like what do you do? That's a really good point. Uh, that is so uncomfortable. It's super uncomfortable, um, especially when it comes to like client dignity and everything like that. Honestly, looking back, it's just you have to gain confidence as a supervisee and a super uh, therapist to really just stand your ground and say, hey, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable with this program. I'm uncomfortable with this situation. I I don't know if I'm okay with doing this. I don't, I don't know if I'm okay with following through and tell them why and if they're still being you know, nope, we're going to do it. I'm the BCBA. We're going through with it. Then say, okay, then you know what? I'm going to have to put in, you know, my two weeks with this client or something. You're going to have to find somebody else and explain why to your company why you're doing that. Because again, it's going to be on your name. And if you're going to be uncomfortable with it, it's just going to get worse from there on out, you know? And I like something that you had said earlier, how you as a supervisor explain your why to the mm-hmm. therapist. So maybe therapist or BCABA, someone that you, you have a BCBA over you, Ask them, like, Mm -hmm. can you explain why we're allowing this two-hour tantrum to occur? Or, like, what is the pro? Like, how is this beneficial to anyone that this client is crying for two hours because they need to write their name? Like, is there something else we can do? Mm -hmm. And if they stand their ground, like Christina says, like, 
and you're uncomfortable, remove yourself from the situation so that right. you're not tied to something like that. Yeah, this is just from our experience. I'm not saying that every BCBA is going to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about uncomfortable moments, right? Would it be uncomfortable if they're like, oh, yeah, you're 100% right. Why are we doing this? Then yeah. it would be great. Okay, cool. We resolve yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. No, we're like, talking about yeah. it's uncomfortable. They aren't like yeah, allowing you to input your opinions right. and standing their ground. We yes. did mention a little bit in terms of client dignity, which everyone knows, like I am super big on client dignity, you as well. Uh-huh. But when, one for me that I've observed a lot, and I think that is like the norm for people, unfortunately, is talking about the client in front of the client, mm-hmm. especially when they're getting supervised because they want to tell their supervisor like everything that's been going on with the client and things like that, which I get. But if we can try to like eliminate that completely, like especially if it's not anything that you don't want the client to hear, mm-hmm. do it outside of that. Like, hey, if someone's around, can you watch them? We're going to step out and take two minutes or yeah. after session or things like that. Because I've seen so many times like, oh, so-and-so doesn't know how to do this or good luck with that. He doesn't know how to do that, blah, blah, blah. Or he did this today. And it's like, okay, let's take a step back. Like mm-hmm. pull me aside and we can talk about this. But really big on not talking about the client in front of the client. I agree. Uh, now that I think back in my experience, another uncomfortable moment I've had as a therapist and supervisor is um, client dignity with other professionals in different fields. Okay. So, for example, when we're collaborating with speech pathologists or just administration and education settings, teachers, things like that, um, or paras or anything, you know, a lot of the time I realize that, you know, a lot of us work with special needs community. But a lot of people don't empathize with special needs communities. So, you know, I've been in situations where maybe like a speech pathologist, you know, we're talking about um, maybe the client is derobing in public. And I will tell them, you know, we're going to take him to the bathroom because, you know, he has dignity. He's a human being. He needs to be covered. And maybe they're nonverbal or certain, you know. And I've been in situations where other professionals would be like, oh, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't realize what's going on. They don't know. They, it doesn't matter. Yeah, not okay. And I've had, and even with like some other professionals where I've gone to maybe the kids uh, aftercare or something like that, and they go to the pool and the client will just derobe out of the pool. And I'm like, what's going on? No, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, he just does that. We let him do it. I'm like, no, no, no. This needs to be taught. This is very, this is bad. Not appropriate. You know, yeah. it's not appropriate. But I think we also need to teach people that everybody has dignity. It does not matter. It should be maintained. Yeah. It does not matter if you're in a hospital bed, out, whatever. Like, everybody has dignity. Everybody is a human being. They deserve to, you know, if it's inappropriate to make sure they're going. To be respected. Yeah, to be respected. To go, you know, in those type of situations. But um, I just think that's very important. For me, I've had something similar now that we're talking about collaborating with other professionals where I had um, a client who used an augmentative communication device. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's an iPad and it has an app on it and it's how she communicates. It's like a a voice generating. She would press things and it would um, have the voice. So she was going to OT and I'm like, oh, here's her augmented device. And the therapist looked at me. She's like, oh, no, I don't use that. Oh and no! I, I oh look, my god! I kid so you not. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, "Oh my god! What do you mean? This is her voice. You don't use her yes. voice. She's not allowed to express what she wants." <gasps> no, and I said, "Okay, no worries. I'll let mom know." 
And it was uncomfortable because I was in such shock that someone was literally telling me that they were not going to allow this client to, to use something to communicate. to communicate. Yeah. So I could see that they wasn't going to go anywhere based right. on that. And I was like, not a problem. I will let mom know. Right. Not okay. But again, that's what I, I think that, you know, a lot of people, they work with special needs community, but we need to teach them how to like empathize with the special needs community. You know, you can work with them for so long and do these things, but are you really learning from them? Do you really understand what they're going through? And sometimes you really have to put them in their shoes. Like in that instance, this person literally took away this child's voice, Yep. this child's communication. So for a whole hour, she can't say help. She can't say no. She can't say thank you. She can't say please. She can say, you know, yes. And that's that's just totally not right. You know, that's not okay. Yeah, it's not. I'm glad you spoke up in that uncomfortable situation. It was the first time I had experienced it because I didn't know that she wasn't taking her device with her. This was right. the first transition that I was a part of, you right. know, which goes back to like collaboration and things like that. But this was just one of those instances where it was very uncomfortable and not yeah. okay. Now, now looking back, it's good. Maybe, you know, you say the why too next time. This is her voice. Yeah, and you did say it. I did, yeah. Yeah, but I guess... It was just response effort for them, right? Right. Um, anything else in terms of uncomfortable moments? I know we've <laughs> this is a long one, you guys, but it's just yeah. a lot of things where there are a lot of uncomfortable moments. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but it's one of those things where you don't have to stay there. It's right. not something that should be experienced regularly. Like mm. we need to create this dialogue and transparency and conversation where it's okay to speak up if you're not okay with something yeah exactly i mean it is a long episode but there's a lot of things that we brought up that i hope it can help other supervisees in their situation or even bcbas at that point too and just say you know it, it doesn't have to be uncomfortable for a long time you can change the situation all right guys well we hope that you like this episode tune in next week for the next one and make sure to follow us at onward behavior on instagram all right you guys until next time keep moving onward and pay it forward